is how resistance training affects your brain because there are some insane studies that show that resistance training or just exercise in general, not just resistance training, um, can have an even better benefit for you mentally than drugs for anxiety and depression. Welcome back to the In-Situ Collective. This podcast is a chat between a PT and a nutrition coach. If we haven't met before, my name is Jack, I'm the PT, and joining me is my partner Mac, and she is the nutrition coach and soon-to-be psychologist. And yes, that is Jack and Mac. We have helped hundreds of people reach their health and fitness goals. This podcast is a chat about the journey along the way for our clients, ourselves, teachable moments, and things we think will help you reach your health and fitness goals as well. Before we get into today's show, I just wanted to thank every single one of you for listening and supporting this show. If you didn't know, last week was our 100th show, yes, 100 episodes down, and we've had a lot of great feedback from you guys and a lot of new listeners. So if you are a new listener and you get get something out of this episode, please, wherever you're listening, give us a five-star review and a positive comment. It helps this podcast grow and it'll help us get to 200 episodes and help a lot of people reach their health and fitness goals along the way. Sitting is the new smoking. I've probably said that quite a lot on social media. We've probably said it a few times on the podcast, but this week I actually experienced it myself. (laughs) Um, Not that I was smoking. But I jumped in with a client on Monday morning to do a few squats. Um, Sometimes when the client is efficient enough and good enough at squats, I'll just jump in and do a couple of sneaky sets with them. And we just ended up pushing a little bit harder than normal with the squats, as two guys do when they're lifting Mm -hmm. weights. And um, after that session, I didn't have anybody else. So I come home and I was sitting at the computer doing a lot of editing, other work on the computer, but I was sitting down quite a lot. And when I got to get, when I went to get up a couple of hours later, it felt like my hip flexors were going to snap in half. It was like, and it, and that's probably the worst I've ever experienced. And I don't think, like you know, it was just a little bit of movement, and it wasn't that much sitting down. It's probably only a couple of hours. And since then, like so, that was Monday. Since then, my posture's been off just because my hip flexors are so tight. So that sort of pulls your hips under and then it pulls your shoulders over so you get that sort of rounded back a little bit. Um, And I really need to fix that. But it was just crazy to think that that was only, you know, a little bit of squatting and then a little bit of sitting down and how much it actually affected me. And imagine how many people go to the gym at 6am and then go to work and sit down for eight hours. Yeah. Um, So I know I say it all the time, but I can't stress this enough. Just keep moving during the day. Um, try not to sit down for long periods of time. And um, I know I'm saying sit, sit down, but it's also a lot of people will then go stand up for hours, mm. but then they'll stand up that stand up desk and then sort of lean over or get in a weird position and be in that position for another couple of hours. So it's not necessarily the sitting that is the bad thing. It's being in the one position in an uncomfortable position or 
I guess, a comfortable position yeah. for hours because your body will almost adapt and mold to that, especially after a workout. You've just warmed up, you got the blood flowing, so it's almost like it's stretched out, and then you go and sit down and your body will almost mold into that position. Or even if you're standing in a weird position, looking at your computer hunched over, not perfect um, posture, um, it will mold to that as well. And I'm not saying that it has to be perfect posture all the time. You can go from seating to standing, but just make sure you're swapping and moving and maybe walking you know, to the other side of the room, just stretching out your legs every, every once in a while. Yeah. Um, just can't stress that enough. I know I say it all the time, but like I said, just real world happened to me and I just wanted to share it with everybody and just probably haven't spoken about it recently. For a so, while. Yeah. And I was also thinking as you were saying that, uh, we do, or in the past, we've said a lot that your body gets good at whatever you do the most of. Mm. So when you think about it, you go to the gym for an hour, which is a tiny, tiny percent of your whole day. And then you spend the rest of the time doing either sitting or standing or whatever it is that you do. So you're going to get really good at those things, like being sedentary, you know? So yeah. just yep. keep it in mind. Like if, I, if I'm sitting for eight hours, then I'm going to be really good at sitting for eight hours and it's going to feel easy for me to sit for eight hours, but doesn't mean it's good for you just because mm. it's easy or semi-comfortable. Um, and that reminds me, sleeping. So quite often I'll have a client, especially in the morning, morning clients will come in and just, oh, I don't know if I slept too right, but my neck's a bit tweaked or something like that. Think about it. Like you're asleep for say somewhere between six and 10 hours, depending on who you are, mm -hmm. but you're in that one position. And if say your pillow slips out and then your head is tilted down onto the bed um, and you're on your side, it's in a very bad position for who knows how long, three, four hours. Yeah. Um, and then you wake up and of course your neck's going to feel a bit sore. Mm. It's just a matter of trying to move it, get a bit of blood flowing, but just being mindful of that as well. Um, obviously going from sleeping to work out then to sitting. Yeah, you just do a tiny little bit of movement in mm. between those two very long sedentary periods. Exactly. So just think about the movements you're doing during the day. I want to stay on the topic of resistance training because the last couple of weeks, I don't know what is happening in the world right now, but I feel like Jack and I have been speaking to a lot of people who just have health problems. Not necessarily serious ones, some are serious, yeah, but like mentally, physically, internally, <laughs> emotionally, it just seems to me that a lot of people are going through a lot of stuff right now. And I often find myself in the conversation with these people thinking, if only we could get them to come to the gym. Mm. If only they would spend a little bit of time each week training with, with us, lifting some weights. Like 90% of the problems that I'm talking to these people with could not be solved, but help them solve the problems that they're having. And it just blows my mind how underrated resistance training is, mm. especially by people like doctors and stuff that are telling everyone that, you can't fix this problem or you should just take this medication. No one that I've spoken to has said that their doctor has recommended that they do any kind of exercise. Mm. And it just blows my mind. Like, it, why is it so underrated? Because it's so... Hard, it's hard work for results, essentially. Yeah. So I, I think there's a couple of things to unpack there. So first of all, 
a doctor's not going to recommend somebody go work out because all that doctor's probably seen is HIIT workouts, CrossFit, F45, and to tell somebody that's unfit, has bad knees, their back's starting to go, to then go exercise, that's all they sort of see as exercise in their head. Yeah. Where if you're just doing typical resistance training, it is more, more beneficial than any painkiller, any tablets, anything out there that is you're taking to fix something in your body. Resistance, proper resistance training can help with that. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't go and do CrossFit and all that sort of stuff. It can be something you can do when your body is right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, and the thing is, so let's say your knee's hurting. Um, it's going to take, if you, do, if you were to do resistance training or you know, re- rehabilitation training to build up muscle around that knee, building muscle is very hard and it takes a very long time for your body to put on muscle. Um, so you could take a painkiller that relieves the pain within the hour or you can train for two months to relieve the pain. Forever. Forever. Likely. <laughs> yeah, if you're doing it right. Yeah. And if you could be consistent with it. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like, it's... <laughs> it takes time. And a lot of the time, people want an instant gratification. Mm. Like, they want to go to a hard, sweaty session and feel like they've achieved something immediately. Mm. Whereas with resistance training, it's less intense, it's less sweaty, and it takes, like you said, it takes time to get any results. Yeah. But people don't want that in this like day and age. They mm. want it now, like right now. But that that's something to look into as well. Like if I say it's gonna take you 12 months to get over your knee pain and you're gonna have no knee pain for the rest of your life, again, you've gotta be consistent with your workout, eating the right food, all that sort of stuff. Very hard to do. And it's very hard to continuously do the things you need to for 12 months to get that result. So you're actually working on a lot of internal things. It's going to take a lot of dedication, discipline. Um, Self-regulation, like resilience, persistence, consistency. Like so, Just to get those results. Yeah. So imagine what you're actually, you're building a perfect body, but you're also building a perfect mind in the process as well yeah. of chasing those longer, long-term goals. Yeah. And that's something I'm so, I cannot wait to dive deeper into within uni is how resistance training affects your brain because there are some insane studies that show that resistance training or just exercise in general not just resistance training um, can have an even better benefit for you mentally than drugs for anxiety and depression and it is just so underrated (laughs) so underrated 100% and I for everybody listening I've stopped putting the like when we reference research papers or studies and all that sort of stuff, I've stopped putting them in the show notes because literally you can Google, go to Google Scholar and Google most of these and there's a lot of good studies out there. Like you can yeah. look up um, resistance training and mental health. Mm-hmm. Just those two in Google Scholar and there'll be abundance yeah. of um, studies that you can read that prove that resistance training is more beneficial than any sort of um, medication. But you've got to go out and do the research. Like I was putting in the show notes and it sort of felt useless because who's reading them and the people that will actually take the time and do it, you know, they like... probably want to dive even deeper than just the one paper that we provide. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. I just cannot emphasize enough 
how much every single one of you listening to the podcast should be doing resistance training. Mm. Like I can't even. It's just... It should be a part of life as important as a green smoothie or your daily medication or the multivitamin that you take. Mm. Resistance training should be in that category. Yeah. And then you can use resistance training to improve your life. So then you can go and do CrossFit, F45, soccer, football, anything you want to do. But you've just got to have that base of resistance training. Yeah. And it's going to improve every aspect of your life. Absolutely. On the topic of training consistently, as you need to when you resistance train, I had a conversation with a client earlier this week and it was a massive aha moment, I guess, for both of us. Um, so I guess I would say I'm a very rigid, routine orientated person. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and this client is quite similar to me. And ideally, she wants to work out at 6.30 for the, the four days a week that she intends to train. Mm-hmm. Um, but she found that if she misses it, if she sleeps in or if she goes to bed later the night before and she doesn't feel like getting up, then she just doesn't train for that whole day. And for me, this, I think in the past, I've gone through that as well. But since, especially since doing the 75 hard challenge, if I missed a workout in the morning or a walk in the morning, I would just do it later in the day. But a lot of people don't like that. They like the consistency and the rigidity of saying, I only work out at 6 a.m. That is when I work out. Mm. If I miss that, too bad. And I'm trying to encourage her now and myself to rather than being so rigid to be frequent and flexible. So instead of saying that I I work out at 6 a.m., say I work out three days a week right? How flexible is that? Like you can work out any days out of seven, just has to be three of them and any time within a 12 hour period. So you can say, yeah, I'm going to work out at six, but if I miss that, it's fine. I'll work out at 4 PM or I'll work out at 5 PM. So then you have three opportunities to get your workout in rather than just putting all of your money on that one hour time slot in the morning. Mm. Game changer. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's, it's that all or nothing mentality that we talk about quite regularly and i see this with food like um people like i've got to be in i'm following this diet i have to follow this diet and nothing else and this is what i've got to be doing Mm. and then as soon as they eat one bad thing or not even a bad thing or just something that doesn't belong in that category or that diet they're like oh it's done i'm out i can't do it anymore where if you just like you said, flexible. Frequent and flexible. And you're frequently eating good things, but yeah, you've got that flexibility of being able to enjoy foods that you like to go out and eat or just, you know, enjoy for yourself. Yeah. Then it's not that bad. It's and you're still going to maintain a healthy lifestyle. You can still get results that you want in the gym, outside yeah. the gym, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I would suggest anyone that's trying to, because anyone that's trying to have a good, I guess, Anyone that wants to lead a healthy lifestyle, because at the minute, social media is so, we were talking about this this morning, so my perfect morning routine, my perfect evening routine, orientated, like reels of people doing their perfect morning routine. I'm like, you don't do that every morning. There's no freaking way. They just ruin regular people's lives because they see that and they're like, oh man, if I want to be as skinny as her, 
I have to have this morning routine every morning. And the reality is you don't have time to get up, do yoga, do breath work, go for a walk on the beach, like make a smoothie, have a cold shower, do your skin routine. Who, the, who has time for that <laughs> every day? Not even these people have time for that. It's just, they've just made this reel for social media to be like, look at my morning routine. This is how I'm so perfect mm. when it's not real, okay? Yeah. <laughs> um, I just can't, yeah. Yeah. Just be flexible and frequent instead of perfect. Yeah. And don't, I guess, what, what am I trying to say here? Don't judge your imperfections or your flexibility as, you know, bad because other people are being so perfect yeah like just focus on your own things do yeah. what you can it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing you're doing the best you can you can and build from there as long as it's perfect for you and your lifestyle who cares about other people oh my gosh we've been watching Shit's creek again <laughs> and alexis rose if anyone watches Shit's creek for reference said to david rose her brother nobody cares like David, literally nobody cares. And it's just stuck in my head because I feel like I worry a lot about what other people think when I post, when I speak on the podcast, in the gym, everything, every part of my life. I'm worried how people, what people think of me when I walk through the supermarket. Am I holding my bag the right way? Like constantly. And then Alexis said, people don't care. And the more I think about it and the more I pay attention around me, people don't care what you're doing. No, because... So just worry about what you want to do because honest to God, everyone only cares about themselves. <laughs> I swear everybody's just walking around worrying about what everybody else is thinking of them, but everybody's got the same thought of, oh, are they but ju-? And it's just like everybody's own in their own head, yeah. worried about what everybody else is judging, but everybody's in their own head. Doing the same so thing. So no one gives a fuck. So just do what you want to do. Yeah. When, when, and like... Ask yourself, when was the last time you were actually sitting there judging people for not carrying their bag properly or... For going to the gym, for wearing that top. For yeah. And if you are one of those people, then... What are you doing? I don't think they'd be <laughs> listening to this podcast no. anyway. Did you know Mac and I have created our very own app? Yes. You can download the Institute Collective app for free in the App Store. This is where we put all our good content, all our programs, courses, guides, everything you need to achieve your health and fitness goals. Whether you're looking at building muscle, lose weight, or just improve your overall health and wellness, the app has got it. So make sure you head to the App Store or wherever you get your apps from. Just search IN-SITU Collective and our app will pop up. Give it a download and jump straight into the guides, programs, or anything you need to achieve your goals. All right, listen to questions. What do you got? Okay, I have a really, really interesting one this week from Penny. And it is, why does the health and fitness industry encourage everyone to eat the rainbow? Mm. Good point. I encourage everyone to eat the rainbow. And I said... Just clarify what eating oh, the rainbow is because there's a, rainbow ice cream. Not a physical rainbow. Um, when I say eat the rainbow, I mean aim to eat five to six colours of fruits and vegetables. And I say this because processed food is so like present in our lives right now. A lot of the things that we eat are beige. Like you think about bread, pasta, rice, chips... I don't know. I don't eat much processed food, so I don't know. <laughs> but everything is beige and heavily processed. So 
saying eat the rainbow is an easy catchphrase for people to remember and an easy way to encourage people to get more plants in their diet. That's essentially what I'm trying to encourage people to do is just eat more plants. And Penny's point was um, and in evolutionary history, like the colors of plants generally indicated whether they were poisonous or not. Mm. And she said to me that one of her massage clients doesn't actually eat purple, reds or yellows because they're considered poisonous to animals and probably to us at one point in time. Um, and it is true that those plants build, grow a, like think about eggplants, capsicums, tomatoes, those kind of plants have that tough exterior mm. and they grew that to protect themselves from pests. Well, kale as well. Kale's a good, or yeah. spinach. Like you can't actually, most most people can't digest spinach because uh, there's little tiny fibers on there that um, won't break down in your stomach lining mm. and you just sort of pass it straight away. Well, not straight away, but <laughs> you pass it passes through because you can't actually digest it. And that is an evolution of spinach. Yeah. So Because they're just trying to protect themselves like any animal does. Mm. But I did, that was a very good question. And I guess the answer to my question is because in the past, in like through evolution, we haven't had as much processed foods as we do now. So it is, I think it's a valid term. Yeah. Um, all I'd say is cook your food as well. Like a lot mm. of people on this, uh, it pops up every now and then on social media about eating raw vegetables and not cooking your vegetables. Um, I'd say it's the opposite. So cooking your vegetables actually allows your body to digest. Yes, they're, there are studies out there to show when you cook certain vegetables or meats and that sort of stuff, you lose nutrient values. But what's left, your body can actually digest. So where, it's going to use it more effectively. Yeah, where if you ate it raw, it can't digest anything, so it just passes, passes through you. Yeah. So by cooking it, yes, you lose a bit of nutrition value, nutrient values, but your body can actually use them. Yeah, and also when you some foods genuinely need to be cooked to be, for lack of a better term, activated and like for you to be able to, like you said, absorb the vitamins and minerals and they need to be cooked with other things mm. to for you to absorb things properly. Like why do you think garlic and onion and oil go so well together? Because they internally work better together for you to use them more efficiently. Yeah. That we um, do things for a reason, like... <laughs> yeah, and it's a good question. And and that there's some foods out there that are just not going to mix with some people. Yeah. Mac is always. a great example for yep. that. <laughs> <laughs> so many foods. Um, there's a lot of foods that I don't eat anymore just because Mac can't eat it and I just don't want to buy one or two for myself. Yeah. Um, what, bananas would be a good example of that. Oh, man, I have a whole list. But, like, literally red, yellow, mm. <laughs> bananas, eggplants, capsicums, I cannot eat. Yeah. And just because they have that type of skin and I just have not evolved to be able to digest them well. Yeah. Simple as that. And most vegetables that have that tough exterior, we end up chopping the skin off anyway. Yeah. Yes, there's, again, there's a lot of nutrient values in that skin, but... Max body can't, can't break it down and use it. So we end up just taking like, not maybe not all the skin, but say 50% of the skin, we'll mm. take it off. Um, it just gives your belly a little bit of an easier time. Sometimes. <laughs> That's all, right. all I've got.
I didn't actually put up a question box, so apologies to everybody. I'm gonna start doing it every Friday, so make sure you follow me on socials, uh, Instagram, at Jack L. Graham, and I'll start doing question boxes every Friday for the podcast and just for you guys on social media. Cool. To do some Q&As. Awesome. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll talk to you all in the next episode. Bye.